What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Robert here. Uh, Before we get into it, I want to note my internet was terrible during this call. Uh, We tried to have the guest record locally, but uh, there was kind of a technical glitch there. And Zoom glitched a little on the audio. In order to make it listenable, there are going to be like three or four points here where I pop in and just say what, what he was trying to say. Um, or what he said, and the internet then garbled up uh, so that you can understand what's actually being said in the conversation. So when my voice pops in and I read a line, uh, it's me reading something that he said that got kind of distorted. Uh, I do apologize. Ah, welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about things falling apart and occasionally about the quest to build a better world. Today, we've got an episode uh, that is in the latter category uh, about the struggle to make the United Kingdom uh, less, I don't know, in the thrall of a, of a monarchy and a, an aristocratic class uh, and to build a more equitable society. And our guest today is somebody who is attempting to further that cause uh, and did so last year by attempting to huck several eggs at the current King of England, uh, Charles the, I forget the number, Patrick the, well, how are you doing today? <laughs> Hi, Robert. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. It, it was uh, five eggs, five eggs, and he's the third king, the third, third Charles. King. Th- third We've king. We've had far more than three, unfortunately. Yeah, you guys have had a few. Um, is was was one of the ones y'all killed, Charles? Yeah, yeah, it, that was the last one. That was that the, last, was the one. last one. Well, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I won't say anything that'll get, get you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Let's start by talking about this is in a 20 about a year ago um, uh, at a uh, he he was doing a they called it a walkabout, which I guess is when the king shows up in a city. I in the video, I watched the video of this and like there's a bunch of people dressed in all sorts of fun costumes and some lady's got a massive sword, <laughs> like a sword, a sword of the size that I know for a fact that man cannot lift above his head. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. He he comes out of his little car, and, and all the little trumpets go, doo, doo, doo. <laughs> uh, and, and and everyone starts, you know, waving their flags on cue and, and going like, "Look, there he is! There he is!" It's um, 
pretty unhinged to be honest it's 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 quite embarrassing but yeah you know. i i uh there's like the um the american chauvinist in me that like wants to wants to laugh more about the monarchy but i'm just finished reading an article about uh uh diane feinstein where the journalist interviewing her was like so you've missed a bunch of votes over the last three months and she's like no i haven't i've been working the whole time <laughs> So I guess uh, we're all kind of enthralled to the corpses of uh, of of our past. It's hierarchy, uh, hierarchy everywhere yeah, yeah. Is, is the problem. So, so. you de- you decide to show up. When do you kind of find out that the king is is going to be showing up here and, and what kind of leads you to decide? I'm going to I'm going to throw some eggs in my pocket and, and take my shot. So, so I actually only found out that he was coming to York about three days with a megaphone and you know, shout some, of course, obviously, uh, the queen had died, uh, about a month or so before. Uh, and, and during the funeral processions, there was, you know, several people were arrested for, uh, someone shouted at, um, you know, Prince Andrew, you know, in Scotland, they were like, ah, you're a sick old man. And they did. (laughs) And, And that was probably my, my inspiration. But then on the morning, um, when it came to York, my, my megaphone was just like busted. So I was just like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to, going to go get some eggs then. <laughs> and, and why eggs? What, uh, what, what kind of led to that decision? Man, everyone asked that. Um, yeah. I guess like I was under the assumption that we all just knew that you throw eggs at people you don't like. Maybe it's a British <laughs> thing. Um, but, I think it may but, just be that in the U S because of the gun stuff, people are like a lot more hesitant <laughs> to huck stuff just for fun. Right. If you're throwing yeah, stuff yeah. at somebody, it's serious. <laughs> yeah. Although uh, yeah. someone, someone threw a beer at, um, Ted Cruz. Yeah, they sure did. That was good. Ago. That was good. Mm. Yeah. Um, um I think, you know, I, I actually had a lot of time to think about before my trial about um, why eggs and stuff. And I think they're just funny, you know, like there's yeah. a lot of egg puns that came out of it uh, that, 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 you know, not to get too philosophical about it, but they're kind of, you know, they're, they're really harmless, you know, yeah. um, but inherently humiliating as well. Like, yeah. 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 It's hard to argue attempted murder from an egg, but at the same time well, getting, like, yeah. Well, exactly. And, and I think there's there's something to be said for contrasting the violence of the state yeah. with what's obviously like very low level violence. Um, and yet I'm the one standing trial for it. Um, it yeah, I mean, it, it is it is like the, the, the language that got used by the state kind of in the proceedings against you was was amusing. Like, I know that it was a, a pain in the ass you had to go through, but like the the kind of the the framing that they they put with it to make it seem like this was this was such a like serious uh, offense against public order was 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 quite funny. And I, I think mm. I, it's beyond me to know what was going on in the now king's head at the time. But I you got quite close. Um, you can see right after it hit, there's there's goop on the ground directly in front of his foot and his shoulders slump a little and he looks down and I wonder if it made him feel bad. I hope it did. Um, you know, I, I can't get inside the man's head. Maybe he he's not capable of that, but I wonder. So, yeah, I mean, I threw five and, and I will say for the record that one of them did bounce off his arm, but he does have a force field. So it's not yeah. my fault that it didn't didn't get the, the full impact, but yeah, I, I honestly think he didn't have a clue what's going on. He's pretty pretty senile, to be honest. Um, I, I, I yeah, but but you know, monarchists were like, 
so imp- we're like wow look at how stoic he is he just doesn't even care he just shrugged it off he's such a badass and it's like <laughs> he's just being guided through this series of bizarre public opinions where he's got to pretend that he's you know smiles and waves at normal people and he doesn't think that we're all plebs but yeah yeah and it was the um <laughs> the 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 crowd reaction around you was pretty intense from what i understand i mean like people came after you when they realized what had happened yeah and and i think in some ways that spoke more more itself than like anything that i could have done you know the reaction to to the video you know people immediately just start like pulling my hair out in chunks and just like screaming like you know like just kill him like stick his head on a spike kick him to death and you know and, and it really um i think maybe maybe that kind of rhetoric is perhaps more like you know that the overt violence is more prevalent in american politics but yeah you know it, it exposed that you know these people are essentially fascists you know and and that they uh, yeah they're, they're, they're very very violent people um if yeah you them up. and i i think this is something people have are are starting to to recognize a little bit more about kind of politics in the UK. I mean we're we're looking right now uh the Public Order Act of 2023 is kind of the most recent law that's gone through parliament um that effectively like expands the ability of the police to crack down on protests. Some people will argue and I think this seems based on what I've read pretty credible that it it basically makes it possible for the police to arrest anyone for almost any kind of activism. Um and that kind of was uh was exhibited during the coronation when a, a group of kind of of anti-monarchist protesters who are more on the liberal side of things and you're kind of approaching this um as an anarchist. Um but a a a, a fairly large group of uh protesters with signs that were saying stuff like not my king um attempted to rally doing so i believe their their goal from what i can tell was to comply with the law as they understood it um and that did not protect them from the police no so so um you know the context is in the wake of the uh police uh, there was a police officer you know last year who, who murdered a, a woman sarah everard yeah um and in the wake of that they passed uh the police courts uh sentencing and crime bill and that that bill was really like you know the the most overt crackdown on protest. It it, it banned, um, it allowed the police to arrest at the discretion of an officer any protest that was deemed potentially uh, annoying. Like that's the specific language is yeah. an, uh, any 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 action that could be loud or annoying. So you know there was a, there was a lot of protests against that at the time that obviously came to nothing, and they they passed the bill anyway. And then, and then, so the public order bill just goes that step further by allowing them to preemptively arrest anyone who might be about to do something that's loud or, or annoying, uh, and including um, this new uh, thing called a serious disruption prevention order, which is something that they can apply to someone who is considered an aggravated activist. He's saying, which is someone who has been arrested more than twice for protest-related offences? Essentially, it, it bans you know use of the internet to communicate about your ideas. Uh, basically stop you from attending protests in the first place and arrest you at the train station um and we saw yeah we saw that in in, in play with with republic that with this organization that had been extensively liaising with the police and you know it just seemed quite like pikachu face when suddenly they were all just yeah. rounded up and yeah but for literally you know no pretext it was they had they had um like <laughs> twelve thousand pounds worth of signs in a van 
um and they were they were all wrapped up in um yeah just like rope rope and um the the pretext for the arrest was that the rope was a lock-on device that could be used to you know i don't know like jump in front of the the procession uh yeah. and tie yourself with rope to the road i i really don't know like yeah I mean, yeah. from, from what I could tell, just from the coverage I've read, if their protest had gone the way they planned it, it would have been like a show, a visible show that there were people who didn't like the monarchy, but it would not have caused it like they would not. Have, this These people were not planning to, like, burn down any public buildings or, you know, smash car windows or stop a road. Not that I'm specifically condemning that behavior, but I'm just stating this. This was not the state cracking down on people because they were afraid of a riot. This was the state cracking down on people because they didn't want the display of any kind of dissent to exist. Yeah, and, and and you know that's that's where we're at in this country. And and to be honest, um, the arrest of those organisers was the best thing that could have happened for the movement, um, because you know what it really did was just shine a light that it was impossible to ignore, uh, and and in some ways kind of overshadowed the coronation. Really, was yeah uh, far more than any speech that that Graham Smith you know was planning to give, um, you know, just so yeah. overtly that, that there is no acceptable form of dissent now. Um, yeah. It, the very concept is is so distasteful to yeah our aristocracy that it's banned <laughs> and i i really appreciate your ability to kind of see the the upside the tactical upside in that because it, i think it is true i doubt i would have heard about that protest if it had gone as the organizers planned right because it would have just been yeah there's some people who don't like the monarchy in the uk that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all but seeing it it was like everywhere all over my social media i got sent it by multiple friends by a family member because the state decided to go after these people and i i i do think i think it's also from um just a, a standpoint when you when you're talking about a struggle with as long odds as kind of struggling against the uh the the monarchy in the united kingdom which is you, you are talking about like the most entrenched power structure outside of the Vatican, right? Basically, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, when you're talking about that, it is so important to be able to look at moments like this and see the upside in them, rather than just rather than just kind of feel the boot all the time. Um, otherwise, you're you're not going to have the endurance to keep fighting. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, for me, with specifically with the eggs, um, I was, I, I've been conscious the whole time that the backlash uh, and the, you know, disproportionate state reaction would speak more than my own actions. So, so for example, one of the reasons why I think, you know, it went pretty viral when I, when I threw the eggs in the first place, um, uh, I, I was a bit surprised by, by how it went kind of quite internationally. Yeah. Um, but, 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 you know, so the fact, so my bail conditions were, um, between, between my arrest and my trial were that I wasn't allowed to carry eggs in public. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. And so that is in itself like so absurd that what? it's like, right. <laughs> I gotta know, is there like a provision for if you're going home from the store or are you just, are literally, you just eggless? Okay. <laughs> so, so, so the copper who was literally just like making this up at the station says like, okay, so your bail condition is you're not allowed within 500 meters of the King. You're not allowed to carry eggs in public. And then he goes like, oh, actually like what happens if he wants to buy some eggs? And then they're like, okay, so they changed it. So it's like, you're allowed to carry eggs as long as you're going home from the shops and you've got the receipt. Um, <laughs> It's and, so... and, and I think that was more viral than me actually doing it. You know what I mean? Like people were like, you know, that's 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 Britain for you. Have you got a license for those eggs? You know, like... I'm imagining you like sliding down an alleyway with like a like a like a 1940s style shoulder holster, but with just like eggs under each arm. Yeah, and so and so you know um, when I so so I had my trial, um, you know, which was for yeah threatening behavior. <laughs> Um, that that made someone fear imminent violence. Um, okay. I, I, you know, in the wake of that, like I, I was convicted, uh, I, I narrowly avoided six months in prison, which is the sentence that I thought Good I was going to get. Um, yeah, yeah, and and so so you know, in my trial, you know, I had the option to either downplay what I did as being like, oh, it's not really violence, it's just an egg. But then, of course, you know, legally, it was, a, you know, that just counts as assault. But then I chose to instead to say, okay, yeah, it was violence, but it was uh, legitimate violence because it was necessary to resist the far greater violence of the British state. 
um, you know, citing the historic impact of colonialism. He's saying current foreign policy, like the king personally negotiating weapons deals with Saudi Arabia. And then also, you know, climate breakdown and the way yeah. in which by continuing to invest in fossil fuels, global south, like intentionally. Um, and so therefore, you know, I was basically defending the right of, you know, acting in defense of others with violence. Like, I'm glad I did it. And I'd have done much worse. <laughs> um, so in the end, I, actually, I got a hundred. I got a hundred hours of community service, um, which was extreme. You know, getting away with it essentially. So yeah, <laughs> did you get a? I wonder. Was it just a situation? Did you just get lucky with a judge or like? Because um, that that's it, that's surprising. I'm surprised that like that that worked as well as it did in a positive way. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean. I had a big bag with me with all my like undies in because I thought I was going down, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, I think it was partly, yes, getting lucky with the judge. Partly, I think they were in a really difficult position. And this is what I wanted to put them in, essentially, yeah. which is that following all of that, the, the mon- you know, the, in the lead up to the coronation, there was a lot of negative press around around the king and the monarchy. And they had a choice between either sending me to prison and looking extremely authoritarian and blowing it out of proportion or letting me get away with it. And, and you know, I think they chose to minimize the negative press. You know, I, I mean, obviously, supposedly there's an independent judiciary and there would, there would have been no conversations with the palace uh, yeah. and the police sure. about, about the charging procedures. But that's that's a load of rubbish. But, you know, yeah. And, and so but I think I w- wanted to put them in that difficult position because I knew that, like I said, their backlash would look worse than what I did. And so so when I chose to go to the coronation, Following following my conviction, you know, I I had to tell my proba- probation officer, look, I'm going to the coronation. I am going. I'm going to peacefully protest. I'm just going to be there. Deal with it, you know. And uh, basically, he told me that the counterterrorism department uh, had was seeking an injunction from the courts to stop me attending. Um, but then the court had ruled that no, I, I was allowed to attend. I'd already been given my punishment, and he wasn't going to put any further conditions on me not be allowing allowed to go so so but i knew that if i went to the coronation they would arrest me anyway and it would make them look bad you know uh, and then they they did you know i was as well as well as all of the organizers um i was there you know just not my king blah blah, blah. and then and then i and then i look up and there's a little watchtower that they had erected in the center of trafalgar square and um i just saw that there was about seven police officers just all like staring at me and uh, and filming me um from you know, like two hundred meters away, and I was like, "Oh, okay, they're gonna arrest me now." So you know, yeah. I, I gave my phone and my wallet, wallet to my brother, and then, Smart. and then within seconds, within seconds, they were just dragging me out, like you know, in handcuffs, um, from the center of a of a crowd of about you know twenty thousand people, um, and and it honestly couldn't have looked like more like overtly fascist if they tried, and and that was kind of the point, really. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh man, I. Uh... <laughs> such a wild story um but i'm i'm glad you did what you did I, I i'm impressed by the amount of thought that kind of went into the optics of it um because it's it's really the only way to turn an egg into an effective weapon right is by a <laughs> very careful planning um i'm i'm kind of curious where do you see what do you see as the route forward for both not just kind of opposing the monarchy um in in your country but sort of opposing 
the overreach by the police. This is a, a problem in more places than the United Kingdom, but y'all are kind of on one of the cutting edges of sort of global attempts uh, by law enforcement and its its supporters in the state to effectively make dissent impossible ahead of what everyone knows is going to be kind of a heightening period of, of climate-based activism. Yeah, and so and so with the climate activist movement in the UK, you know, we've seen Extinction Rebellion um, active since like 2018, and I and I've been you know arrested multiple times with them at different actions. Uh, you know, the, the part of their strategy was that mass arrests, you know, uh, blocking roads, non-violent direct action, and civil disobedience would force the government to take action. And and I think really we're seeing that strategy like ha- having run its course. And, and 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 I think for a while now that's been evident that it wasn't working because they've just banned the types of protests that we were doing. And yeah. also it was essentially quite naive to believe that, yeah, oh, you know, if we cause enough disruption, they're just gonna put aside all of the, you know, lobbying interests and their literal role in upholding capitalism to just go, Oh no! Okay, fair enough. They're, they've blocked some roads. We we are going to like radically transform society to deal with climate breakdown. Um, that was never going to work, you know, realistically. And so, so even though you know we've seen every time they pass these these new legislation, there are there's a there's a, a backlash. There's some marches. There's some protests that fizzle out, and the state just keep consolidating more and more power. Um, and and people keep getting more and more disillusioned with. He says, with what an effective strategy of resistance looks like. And so for me personally, it's something I've been thinking about for a while now. But recently have is that, you know, we have to stop asking politicians through direct democracy at the local level and essentially, you know, using like democratic confederalism, you know, as they do in Rojava to to look at creating um, a national uh, network of people's assemblies that builds dual power outside of the state because 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 i think a lot of the problem with these direct action movements is that they don't have the legitimacy of a democratic mandate so that right. even whilst the tactics might be like in some way effective um you know extinction rebellion has always said our message is to say that climate change is a serious threat but we cannot propose the solutions because we don't have a democratic mandate but the way to you know work around that is to build a democratic mandate through holding people's assemblies creating forums where people can create their own vision and then direct action can then be used in service of those aims rather than putting the cart before the horse if that makes sense no yeah i i think that that that's certainly like one of the more pragmatic ways forward that i think i've seen you know we're 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 always talking about an uphill battle here, and I think kind of the inherent difficulty of of fixing any of these bigger problems, um, particularly fixing the the uh, and, and what we mean is dismantling the systems that are causing uh, climate destruction. Like that is such a lopsided battle that I think whenever whenever you have you present an option to people because it sounds hard there's this there's this tendency to just be like well you know we have to go by the thing that uh that we know which is just kind of like trying to vote in better people
What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If we can take a lesson out of the last 30 years, it's that uh, the standard electoral uh, methods cannot provide the solution to climate change. Like they, they simply aren't going to do it. Um, and I think the police in a lot of kind, of, I mean, in, in the United States, right here in one of my old hometowns, Austin, Texas, um, they just voted on a, 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 a police accountability bill that the police have basically said we're not going to abide by. Like this is, and and you can find stories like that all over the United States and other parts of the world. Like the the kind of the hope that you can just sort of like put in your however long it takes you to do voting in your country or city or whatever, and uh, and that that's the method forward. Um, it it's it seems more realistic because it's more familiar. But the the I think the vision you're putting forward, I, not to say that it's as simple that simple, but like it's effortful. And I think that whenever someone's positing something like that that requires that kind of like effort from a large enough segment of the population 
I, I see that as inherently more realistic than hoping that we can just all kind of keep putting our 20, 20 minutes of voting a year towards solving the problem and expect it to get better. Yeah. And, and it's like one of those things with, you know, like the idea that imagining prison abolition, you have to imagine a, a world where that's possible and that requires changing everything. Right. Um, and, and I think that applies to, to tackling climate change and, and implementing direct democracy. So, you know, if you're talking about a system where people can turn up to a forum in a local community center or, you know, church or whatever, uh, once a week, then people say, well, that's not going to be accessible, you know, because so it's like, well, you're right. We'll probably have to set up a system of mutual aid yeah. that uh, supports, you know, working class people to be able to attend those kind of events. And, you know, yeah, it's like, how are you going to pay for it? And it's like, well, yeah. you're right. We're probably going to have to, you know, set up a solidarity economy where, you know, uh, if we, if we decide, for example, that we want free public transport, uh, then, and 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 bus drivers to be paid paid a fair wage, you know. Then you're going to have to look at a whole system whereby people are maybe potentially getting free housing in return for being a bus driver, free ho food that comes from the local food cooperative, um, and and you're like I say, building dual power rather than attacking the system head on. Because in a battle, in a pitched street battle in this country at least between us and the police, we're going to lose. And I think that you know we need to think smarter because at this point they haven't yet made organizing public meetings illegal but you know they probably will at some point and then it's a uh it's a the only way we'll be able to resist that is if we've had some public meetings to decide how we're going to do it because at the moment we haven't even had the meeting to decide what our collective strategy is because there is so much uh atomization between between these different like you know uh left-wing like social movements and civil society organizations um and so much sometimes it, oh, it just depresses me to think about how many people are working for environmental charities or whatever where all of their work and their research is going towards creating uh policy proposals for politicians to ignore and yeah. it's like if, if if you were putting that amount of energy and your enthusiasm uh, in service of the vision that's been created democratically by by the people then we don't need to uh, uh, petition anyone to to make the changes we we need because we'll have organized effectively enough to uh take do the things that will really challenge state power for example like a, a mass rent strike and, and a general strike yeah or if if those efforts that are currently going towards putting policy papers on desks where they'll be ignored or neutered was going towards uh, uh, putting forth policy that is then being backed by a movement that is carrying out rent strikes, that is putting out together work stoppages, that is blocking roads, that's able to actually throttle some of the life support system of the state, um, well, then suddenly you're not looking at a recommendation a white paper that's going to wind up on some bloodless bureaucrat's desk or that's that's going to wind up getting cut to pieces in in parliament you're you you have something that that has teeth behind it right the kind of force that might be able to 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 make change i don't know again the, when you talk about this kind of stuff you have to contrast it with what we've been trying so far which is nothing <laughs> yeah and, and, and you know Diversity of t tactics is huge. And so, you know, a lot of these direct action groups in the UK, like Just Stop Oil, that have been blocking motorways and stuff, uh, have received like, you know, huge criticism, especially from people who, you know, really ought to be allies 
and, and at least recognize the 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 that this action is coming out of a place of desperation because people cannot see a better way. Yeah. Um. And 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 you know there was a, there was someone from uh, Just Stop Oil who just got three years in prison for blocking a motorway, um, and and that's that's insane, you know. And and you know on some level that person is is a martyr, and 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 you've got to like hold your take your hat off and say what that has done is shine a spotlight again on state authority in a way that you know if if they have these laws on the books but they never have to use them, then it's easy to forget that they exist. Yeah, and they have that power. Yeah. Um, um, do you want to talk a little bit about Cooperation UK? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, for me, I'm I'm a democratic confederalist. You know, I, I'm I'm in awe at like you know the Rojavan project um, using direct democracy, but also confederating that up to to sort of replace the state with a form of governance that's democratic, um, and. You know, I'm, I also I'm a big believer in uh, cosmocracy, right? Which is the proper name yeah. for global democracy. He says, essentially, you know, I wrote about this while I was doing my masters, and that is how potentially, if we were implementing this system, world, we can use the internet to to confederate to a global level, you know, and really start to tackle the issues that we collectively face as humanity, which is like. The fact that our separation from nature and and the rise of fascism is is threatening us with extinction, and so yeah, I'm a, I'm a citizen of Earth, and I'm and and you know that that's what motivates a lot of my actions. Um, but you know, in some ways, I've been kind of stewing on the these ideas alone, uh, and and so recently, I, I met a group called Cooperation UK, who are you know connecting. I I can often get bogged down in abstract theory about like how you know changing the whole world and never actually doing anything practical that's my downfall but you know you need to start a movement like that locally uh and 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 so they're copying um cooperation jackson you know who uh, have been incredibly effective uh you know setting up people's assemblies mutual aid economy in jackson um and also like a, a community land trust you know they own like like 50 different buildings, you know, that are used collectively by the community. And this group are planning to set that up in Hull, which is just a city in the Northeast that's incredibly deprived. It's got like the lowest voter turnout in the UK, but it also has a thriving network of uh, food banks and, you know, cooperatives and mutual aid groups. And and I think the, the next step for me is when those those groups send delegates to meet together and decide on collective strategy, right? Like, because there are so many people doing so much good work, but there's almost like no faith in our own vision, which is that if we're the people, you know, who are say uh, a union for nurses, then, you know, we should be deciding the conditions that exist in healthcare, you know, because who who better besides patients and uh, like staff, is that to decide the conditions that they that they operate in and and so yeah cooperation uk um there, there are, there's a, a group of us that are, are moving to hull i'm moving i'm moving next week i'm really excited about it um and yeah we're planning to set up lots of local neighborhood assemblies with the intention of within a year holding a a citywide people's assembly that can create a shared vision um and then and then potentially you know uh standing candidates for local council but whose only policy is we will enact 
we will give power to the people's assemblies and then they can use the you know financial um power of existing institutions to support the transition to a new model uh and whilst they're doing that in whole you know the work that i hope to be doing is uh documenting that process um the learning you know so people can learn from the mistakes and the you know and hopefully we can set them up in in every city well across the uk um because there are already people who think very similarly and that it, we're at a time now where that's coalescing into the you know people are recognizing the need for this new movement with a new strategy that's based around democracy rather than just uh activism and yeah it's it's really exciting yeah i mean that's uh i i think that's a worthwhile idea i think it's a uh, it's it's uh bold and something that uh I'm 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 glad to see being attempted. Um, well, it's been really great talking with you today. Did you have anywhere you wanted to direct listeners uh, in order to help if they're interested in what Cooperation UK is doing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so there's there's um, a crowdfunder that uh, I think there'll be. I believe there'll be a link uh, that you guys can access. He says, and we'll be using that money to set up the People's Assembly and mutual aid networks, but also to create resources that anyone anywhere can use in their local community. Uh, and, and my hope is that, you know, as these groups proliferate, you know, we're going to start reaching out to each other, forming a, 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 an international solidarity network that is capable of providing like the mutual aid that we that we need to support each other. You know, for example, you know, if we're talking about Palestine or Iran, um, to provide real meaningful solidarity, to these, you know, liberation groups will require more organization than just like thoughts and prayers, really. And yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, it has been great talking with you. Uh, good luck as you uh, uh, continue to <laughs> moving forward. And uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. I guess I should also say I'm, I'm on, I'm bizarrely, I'm, I'm on TikTok. That's the medium I'm using yeah. at the moment. I, I wish it wasn't. Uh, I'll probably want to uh, start making more YouTube videos discussing these ideas. So maybe I'll send you a link that you can put in there. The Citizen of Earth Show is my YouTube channel. Excellent. <laughs> Well, uh, Patrick Tellwell, Citizen of Earth YouTube channel, and uh, we'll we'll have your TikTok in the description. Thanks again for coming on the show, uh, everybody. Um, go out and uh, you know acquire eggs. It could happen here as a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, CoolZoneMedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.